0: Welcome to the Citizens NYC podcast. Before we start, let's start out by congratulating two of our 2022 New Yorkers for New York. Former Citizens Committee CEO, Peter Kosmeyer, and his partner, Douglas Hearn. They'll be joining us for this episode, as well as Yin Kong from Think Chinatown. Take it away, Rasan.
1: I am Dr. Hassan Harris, CEO of Citizens Committee for New York City. I am so excited to talk to Peter Kosmeyer, uh, who was the CEO of Citizens Committee before I had the opportunity to take this job, his partner Doug, and also to talk to Yin. Um so Doug probably to go first to introduce himself, uh and then Peter, um and then we'll get into Yin.
2: Sure. Um I uh Doug Hearn. I'm a, a, a lawyer. I came to New York in 1999, right after I finished undergrad. And I'm originally from Ohio. And uh, coming to New York was probably the most transformative thing I ever did in my life, like so many people. And this is one of the things I really love about New York is that it's a place that so many people come from so many different places. You know, whether it's A continent away or whether it's Ohio for lots of different reasons and maybe for some of the same reasons but I I love it here. I've lived in three different boroughs uh, over time and now Peter and I live in a neighborhood that I think we can refer to as Two Bridges uh, although it seems to have a number of different names.
3: Uh, We moved here uh, from Brooklyn where we lived for six or seven years and now we're in, uh, as Doug said, a little neighborhood called New. Two Bridges, for those who don't know Two Bridges, and it's not a neighborhood that I knew very much about. It's a little neighborhood between the Manhattan Bridge and Brooklyn Bridge. Um, So it's a small neighborhood, very near Chinatown. I don't think it's part of Chinatown. It's not really part of the Lower East Side because the Lower East Side goes from Houston on the north to, uh, I think, Canal on the south. We're a little bit below Canal Street. But uh, it really is a neighborhood that I think Doug picked out. And. Uh, a neighborhood we we really have come to like a lot, although we haven't been here very long. It's I think one of the most interesting neighborhoods in New York.
4: Um, it's a great neighborhood. Ah, Yen Kong, director of Think Chinatown. Um, trained as an architect, um, so I call myself a community-based designer. Think Chinatown is a neighborhood-based organization that works in the intersection of storytelling, art, and community engagement. Um, a fun fact is that before we were St. Chinatown, we actually called ourselves Between Two Bridges, but as Peter pointed out, not a lot of people understood that Between the Two Bridges was Chinatown and you know, also The Two Bridges is Neighborhood, and some people might be very proud of the distinction, um, but right. you'll definitely see the Chinese ballroom dancers, you know, on the streets, like in front of Pier 35 in the evening, you'll see people doing Tai Chi, like, you definitely see the community out there. And so eventually we changed our name uh, to something a little bit more obvious. Uh, It was a, a brief moment in time. It's a great mix in that area. And also you get the waterfront, you know, the urban you know, planning history there, you kind of understand that, that there there is a different type of um, configuration of the built environment uh, along the waterfront there. And there's definitely a lot going on, too, with the East Coast Resiliency Plan, and um, so there's going to be a lot of changes in that neighborhood that we're all um, keeping an eye on.
3: And some of those changes think, are good, I guess, and some of those changes are not not so good, I gather, like in every neighborhood.
4: Yeah, yeah. Is that exactly? right? I mean, yeah, I mean, one of my new favorite spaces in New York City is uh, Pier 35, like a neighborhood park um, that in Chinatown has been
0: programming with
4: um, other community groups and, um, you know, we had a gamelan concert and um, a Chinese fan dance performance workshop there earlier this year. So, it's just like a great community space that we can, you know, have little events and gatherings and it's just a gorgeous view.
1: Right. So I didn't want to make any assumptions Mm -hmm. that folks completely knew everything about all of us. So I'll break it down to its element. So Citizens Committee for New York City brings people together, especially those in low-income neighborhoods, to improve their neighborhoods. And our mission is fulfilled by giving folks micro grants that average $3,000. And uh, Peter kind of buried the lead in regards to You know, glossed over who he was, but you know, I'm just so excited to be able to sit in this seat where we get to reach out to great groups um, that are in different neighborhoods across the city, find out what they care about, see their passion, and help them um, with resources, which I think are important, but even more important, be connected to one another and to larger city conversations. And Peter, I'd love for you to talk about, you know, how you came to Citizens and you know, what you saw and, like, why are we so passionate about, like, all the wonderful things the organization could do?
3: Yeah, well, like, uh, unlike Doug, I actually was born here in, in New York. I was born in Manhattan on the 105th Street and Fifth Avenue. Um, I haven't always lived here. I spent a lot of time away from New York. had a career in politics in Pennsylvania and worked, of course, in Washington, D.C. But I came back in 2003 and I was offered the job at the Citizens Committee for New York City. And I took it because I really uh, was interested in the idea that the success of the city was in many ways dependent on people who live in the neighborhoods of New York City. Uh, The New York City planning board tells us there are over 400 neighborhoods in the city and that some of the big problems we face are very tough but some of the small problems we face are maybe easier to deal with if we can bring people together um, in, in, in neighborhoods and give them the resources to come together, even if it's just getting to know one another, so that when you see people on the street, you say hello, you know who your neighbors are, you feel a sense of community, and you feel a commitment to one another, and you feel a commitment to your neighborhood, and then you begin to feel a larger commitment to your city. And, and that's, I think, the lifeblood of, of being a good citizen. Um, we had some rough years in 2008, 2009. I think the the issues that you're dealing with now, Rahsaan, are probably more difficult. We dealt with the financial crisis, but you're dealing now with a public health crisis, which is also a financial crisis. Um, So um, I was glad I was able to hand it off to you. You have a bigger job than I, a tougher job, and probably you're doing a better job.
1: Wait, I got to jump in there real quick and say that, you know, (laughs) I come from a tradition where you really recognize the shoulders that you stand on and the fact that your leadership took this legacy that started in 1975 and kept it strong and vibrant uh, was fantastic. And, and who knew that a pandemic was around the corner?
2: <laughs>
1: um, well, that's you right. You can't predict that's that. It. So, but, but what you can do is, you know, shepherd organizations so that they're in the shape that others can continue the legacy. And the Baton
3: Pass was really appreciated by you. And this neighborhood where Doug and I are now uh, is a neighborhood, I think, which is really provides a great example for some of the things that Citizens Committee for New York City can do. There's a lot of diversity here. Uh, there's a lot of there are a lot of issues here, a lot of controversy. Um, there's a great effort here, I think, to bring people together from different backgrounds, which is not always the easiest thing in the world. Yin can probably talk to some of her successes there. But uh, as Doug and I wander around the neighborhood, we, we really like it. Uh, it's an interesting mix of a very as an older uh, Asian American population here, there's a very new kind of young, hip population. We went to a great restaurant the other night, and Doug pointed out, you know, all guys, kids with blue hair and earrings, it's great, uh, and older Chinese men eating. So it's a really, it's that kind of neighborhood uh, that, that we want to live in.
4: Um, well, since we were singing the praises of Citizens Committee 4-2, I have to say our very first grant that we got was the Citizens Committee grant. It was a very, very first project that I think Chinatown got to work on. Uh, it's really how we, was before we were even a nonprofit, we were just a bunch of neighbors um, trying to do something in the neighborhood. It was a storytelling project called Everyday Chinatown, who recorded stories from seniors and we put our chosen community artifacts in. Um, storefront windows, and there's like audio guide system where you called in. It was a small project, but it really got us starting talking to neighbors and, and learning more about our communities. Peter, you were still um, CEO of Business Committee. So that's, that's right. When that's right. We started, um, and so there's that connection there. It's really exciting. And now we're um, kind of, yeah, graduating <laughs> from that micro-grant, unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately. Um, but it really started from right here, so I'm excited to say that. Um, I still wanted to ask about Doug and his um, entree to New York City.
2: Um, I think people who come from almost anywhere else, I think a moment or many moments where you find the city overwhelming because of its sheer size and complexity. And it, it is a place that. that take some uh take some effort, especially when you're starting out to kind of establish a a home here you know like anything worth doing uh it is it is difficult but rewarding and um in this a strange way, I feel uh almost welcomed by New York and have since i since I arrived here just i guess because like the neighborhood we're in, you know for so many waves of immigrants who have lived there everybody can find a niche in New York. It's sort of has enough enough breadth and enough complexity and enough people uh and vibrancy and opportunity that if if you're willing to go for it, uh there kind of is a space for everybody.
4: And maybe fill me in on uh what you do, like what brought you to New York City, your work. Yes. Well wanted I, to get out I, of I, Ohio.
3: If you want to know the truth <laughs>
2: he wanted to get out of Ohio. <laughs>
3: I it, I yeah,
2: I mean I, I it w- I I was not um I was not a lawyer when I when I moved here. Uh you know, I went to law school here in City, but uh I no, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um I I finished undergrad and I had two friends who said, uh we're gonna move to New York. Um uh, do you <laughs> wanna come with us? And and I <laughs> And I said, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I had temp jobs. Um, I I worked in book publishing for a number of years before law school. Uh, you know, just the kinds of things that, uh, even
3: lived in Queens, you know, lived in Brooklyn, lived in Manhattan. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. And you know, all kinds of stories about various sketchy apartments and and you know, odd <laughs> situations that you find yourself in. Um, when, you know, when you're trying to get by on the cheap, uh, in, in the city. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it, it sort of would strike me on an almost daily basis. Uh, you know, even when I, when I had a, a job that I didn't especially care about, uh, that, you know, walking into work, into an office building, riding the subway, it was all things that I thought about, you know, back in Ohio and sort of would see on TV and imagine, you know, what that life would be like. And it's kind of never lost that sort of, you know, that sort of feeling of being something really special that's kind of the realization of a childhood dream.
4: Yeah, it's that electricity, right, about New York City that I think really draws us all in because I'm also not a native New Yorker. I'm a chosen New Yorker. I, you know, made it my life goal to live in New York City, but specifically in Chinatown, um, because I had just a strong feeling that I needed to belong here. (laughs) I mean, I came here for school um, with that intention to kind of root longer, but then I ended up traveling around a lot right after school. I think there was that financial downturn at that time, so there were no jobs. I ended up in China for many years, working in Beijing and Shanghai. Um, went to grad school in London, went around the world on a ship and finally came back to the u s and I was actually living in Charlottesville, Virginia, for a little bit and That's when it really struck me that you know even in my own country, I could really feel like a foreigner, and that there was so much work that needed to be done that I had really taken for granted for an asian american movement and I really needed to get somewhere, <laughs> and that somewhere was New York City, was Chinatown. Um, and that's when I came back to New York City and found my peoples, and um, that's when we started Think Chinatown, too.
3: Yeah, I may have kind of ask you, there, there are now multiple Chinatowns in New York City. There's a Chinatown in Flushing. I read the other day there's a Chinatown in Bensonhurst, which I didn't know. What, what's the future of this Chinatown? Is this the original Chinatown of New York City? It population is the of Chinese people. It Chinese. The Chinese population is actually diminishing in Chinatown. Isn't that? Is that right? What's the future of, of well, this Chinatown where you and I in Doug live?
4: Well, it is the original Chinatown. You're right. Um, it is the the corner of Mott, um, Joy, or Pell. That that area was the original area because of exclusion and the earliest. Um, Chinese Americans were able to live, as you know, with like the history of New York City and the Lower East Side. It's really where uh, it was relegated to the immigrants who were the new Americans coming. Um, right. There has been um, growth in different waves of immigration from China and the Chinese diaspora. So first it was the Toisan community. Later on it was the Cantonese community um, via Hong Kong. And after the Vietnamese War, the Cao Zhou uh, Viet-Chinese were coming um, from Vietnam and Southeast Asia. Um, And then later on, around in the 90s and and later, um, you see the growth of Chinatown going eastward to where East Broadway is, Eldridge Street. Um, And that's the Fujianese um, population. My mom said it's from Fujian. Um, But um, this community is more specifically from Fuzhou. Um, And so even within the Chinatown community, there's a a big diversity and dialect you speak, your socioeconomic background, your immigration story. And, you know, we're definitely not a monolith. There's a lot of things to navigate within the neighborhood um, that is a bit difficult to explain sometimes when, you know, we're dealing with people from outside of the neighborhood. And so it depends on... Um, what you count as the boundaries of Chinatown, and um, because there's no real like clearly set boundaries of Chinatown, it's like really hard to say if our population is growing and the Chinese community in Chinatown is growing or sure. Or, sure. Um, or or decreasing. Because then instead, I would say it's you know always evolving. There's different areas that people will start moving into, um, and for instance, in Chinese. And um, we call this neighborhood or Tongren-gai. like this is the only one that we use, like kind of the, if you want to translate to Chinatown. There are other Chinese communities in New York City, like Flushing, Sunset Park, right. um, earth, but in Chinese, we, we we don't call them Chinatown. Um, I see. A I lot see. of Chinese people, di- there's a lot of Chinese people right. in the world, so we're going to be, you're going to find us. <laughs> Um, I feel like really dovetails to the conversation we're having earlier about like the immigrant layered immigrant path of our neighborhood. Um, has your work with citizens committee really, um, informed your, you know, your, your practice on this topic?
3: Well, Doug is probably going to jump off, but, uh, Doug has been involved in doing pro bono work on immigration. We were, went up to Albany not long ago to visit immigrants who have now been imprisoned uh, because there's no place to put them. So they're, they were in jail in uh, Albany. Um, he worked on a case in Jamaica. I don't know if Doug is still on the line or not, but if he is, yeah. he could talk about some of the work. Because he's been very involved in his firm's pro bono work on immigration.
2: Yeah. Um, the firm participates uh, with a couple of, outside organizations that work with providing support to asylum seekers and other types of immigrants as well, but <laughs> asylum has been the type of immigration law that I have uh, focused on uh, in terms of my pro bono work. Um, and it really speaks to uh, the reasons that people come here um, and how varied they are. I mean, I, there's there are people who are fleeing you know, life-threatening situations of, of many different kinds, including um, you know, racism, religious discrimination, uh, homophobia. Uh, and the U.S. law, uh, it, it is meant to allow uh, people to seek asylum. Uh, and I think New York is really uh, a place where so many people look for shelter um, from the, the conditions that they are trying to escape. Uh, and in, a, in that way, I think, formalized system of, of something that's been happening
3: for all of New York's history. Well, as you say, the better that people do who are newly arrived here, whatever their conditions, whatever their circumstances, the better we all do. It's about self-interest. Um, it's not about dividing people. The better they do, the better we do, the better we do, the better they do, the better we all do. So it's really, I think, about being practical Uh, to lift everybody up. Uh, That's, I think, an important point.
4: I think the great thing about business community's work is that they really empower um, us from within the community to do the the work, because I think it does matter who is bringing forth that work. Their identity, I think we're all starting to understand a little bit better. It's like, it it does inform your work, um, whether or not, you know, you're conscious of it. And the way that, you know, we were given opportunity to start something small and grow that um, from within the neighborhood and then within the community was really special. Because that's not always the approach, right? Especially in neighborhoods like ours, um, you know, often, you see these projects where there's, like, outsiders swooping in to quote-unquote save us. Um, there, you know, that has been the approach for a long time. And I am excited to see this, you know, growing change in perspective of what, um, you know, neighborhood development work looks like, what community work looks like, and how that funding streams. because so that's really, you know, the power behind all of this, right, is the money, how that works differently.
1: So I know that Doug has to leave soon. Um, I would love for everyone to talk about their hope. For the future of New York City and Doug can you go first
2: sure um, the thing I hope for uh, with New York is that it continues to be a place where uh, lots of different people's identities and uh, and goals and desires are respected uh, and and that it continues to be a place that has space for everybody uh, and and not not just a place that only a few people can afford to be. And I I think that uh, there's kind of always that danger in a lot of the city and and in some ways it seems to be accelerating uh, now. But my hope is that New York figures it out uh, and in in the way that it it seems always to have in the past.
4: Yeah, I I totally agree with you, Doug. I think it's definitely having that for everyone is so important and so unique to New York City. Uh, It's a place where, you know, you can have a place like Chinatown, we have new immigrants, you know, have a place where they can, you know, get their first steps, but also a place where um, the Chinese diaspora, you know, people who might have been born in America but still want to be connected with their heritage and their roots can come to. It's so unique. Um, and I hope that, you know, all the powers that may be, all the actors in this, you know, the power brokers that may be of New York City understand that this is really what needs to be protected and needs to be supported and um, really think about innovative ways to support the work that needs to continue to keep all of our unique communities strong.
3: Well, I think I have two hopes. I think the first is that it remain a, uh, a place of tolerance, uh, racial tolerance, sexual tolerance, gender tolerance, artistic tolerance, that it is always a place where people who want to escape uh, from wherever they are or from whatever circumstances they may find themselves in can escape to, a place that welcomes you because you're different, a place that welcomes you because you might be a little odd, uh, a place that welcomes you because the place you come from finds you somehow strange. So so I think that's my first hope. And I think my second hope, which I think is dimming on a daily basis, is that, is that it remains a place or it is a place of economic opportunity for people who want to take the first step, That it, that it doesn't just become completely unaffordable, that young people who have no money can somehow figure out a way, as Doug did with his two friends about 20 years ago, to find a place somewhere in the city where, pooling their resources, they can find find shelter, where they can find a place to live and a job that's the first step up. Uh, We don't want to become a city of $45 million apartments. That's not the kind of place we want to be. That's not our future. Uh, That doesn't work for people. Our future is together.
1: And, oh, commercial... Citizens
3: Committee has
1: two grant programs. One, simply put, is the Community Leaders Grant Program, also known as All-In Neighborhood Grants. Community leaders apply for All-In Neighborhood Grants Program, and we have the newer program for neighborhood businesses. Our neighborhood business is for businesses that are the lifeblood of their communities, 10 employees or less. And we want you to let everyone know to go to the CitizensNYC.org website to apply or to sign up to be notified of all our wonderful programs and all the wonderful things that we're doing, like this podcast and bringing great folks together. So thank you and... Till next time.
0: Citizens NYC would like to thank our funders and supporters that help make our grants possible, including Molly Partners Livingston Foundation, Wells Fargo, Booth Ferris Foundation, TD Bank, National Grid Foundation, and all our generous donors. It's because of you that we're able to do our work. If you would like to contribute, see a complete list of our donors or learn more at citizensnyc.org.